to Monster Masquerade. I'm Justin. I'm Mint. And we have a special guest today. It's our first Hi. episode with guests. And I'm Yay. super excited. Uh, yeah. Do y'all want to say hello? Hi, I'm Serena. Are we just doing names? I'm sorry. <laughs> I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if this is when we plug. Yeah, you can plug stuff. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Hi, I'm Serena. Uh, I stream on Twitch at Everhaunting. Oh, at Everhaunting, at twitch.tv slash Everhaunting. And you can also find me on Twitter at Everhaunting. Hi, I'm Miko. Um, you can find me pretty much anywhere online, just at Miko Rios on whatever platform it's going to be. Um, <laughs> I play TTRPGs. I um, stream sometimes. I mostly just spend way too much time on Twitter. That's fair. I, I feel found, like I do that too. Um, they, them, and she, her pronouns. Yeah. Oh, I. I use she, her pronouns. Awesome. Okay, so today uh, we're going to talk about a movie that y'all recommended. We're talking about Hell House LLC, mm. which I thought was a reality TV show at first. <laughs> I didn't know what I thought it was. I thought I was picturing like a haunt, like a, like a, just like a typical haunted house movie. But I'm trying to think of like a specific one. It's like a Stephen King one. I was thinking like that. Like Misery? <laughs> No, like a, it's like rose red or something like that. Oh, I know exactly. Yeah, what I, was, I was instantly thinking that it was not that though. Oh my god, we have to watch it. It's so good. It was. It is. That was. Build me a tower, mommy. Yeah. Wait, what? What is this? That has. <laughs> it is Stephen King's Rose Red, which is totally not the film we came to talk about, no, no. but also <laughs> happens to be one of one of my core memories as a child. Is it and Rose Red. Oh um, is about it's vaguely based on the Winchester house okay. and um, from what I remember there is Kimberly J. Brown plays a little girl who ha- is mute and has autism don't say anything Miko don't talk about how <laughs> a movie about a girl with autism is a core memory for me uh, wait, I just recently is she <laughs> little lad. wait does she have autism I'm, I'm pretty sure she <laughs> I just recently found out I'm autistic, Me and too. every time, every time I I come across a, a autistic trait that I had as a child, Miko is like, "How did you just find out you're autistic?" <laughs> Literally, my my sister does the same exact thing. That's hilarious. But it's about she's a psychic and she has autism, and um, basically they're going through this crazy ass house. And that's really what I remember of it. I don't remember why they go there, but I do remember that Kimberly J. Brown's character is like not only psychic, but she can like make things happen. So like a neighbor is mean to her. And so she makes rocks fall on their house. Yeah. Is, is a version of that character in uh, Castle Rock? I don't know. I've never seen Castle Rock. It's the first season is very good. It's a it's a Skarsgård one, which I love mm. Bill. He's a good boy. Um <laughs> No, I thought this was like, okay, I found it. I found it. I think it was a show on like HGTV or something called Paranormal Home Inspectors. 
uh, <laughs> it's like they they bring in uh they bring in like a house inspector and also a contractor to find out if people's houses are like actually haunted or if they just have like faulty oh wiring God, and stuff. Broken. That's like and the so, ghost realtor in that one show we watched. Nathan, for you. <laughs> <laughs> and so the whole concept of that show doesn't work because you'll have people who were like, yeah, every night my lights flicker on and off and I'm convinced it's the the spirit of a dead girl who's 12. And then they bring in the contractors like, oh, nope, you got like a weird wire here that's not quite connected. That's that's what's wrong. It makes me think of um, Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. Literally in this woman's house. And she's like, all this stuff is happening. And it's like, oh, it's just cars driving by your window. No worries. You have like <laughs> a leaky pipe or whatever it was. It's like, mm-hmm. But, but no, today we're talking about Hell House LLC, which is a found footage movie that was written and directed by one dude who said, what if Haunted House was really haunted? And just kind of <laughs> ran with it for three movies. It's a smart concept. It is. It's neat. I don't think the closest thing I can think of is that one uh, takes place in like an amusement park. Hellfest. Is that what it is? I don't know. There's so many movies that start with hell. <laughs> I think I did watch Hellfest. It's like the guy with the mask and he's like stalking on through. It's a slasher, but yes, I know which also... one you're talking about. Yes. I wanted to see uh, it and then like the panini hit. <laughs> I think it's available on Netflix, maybe. I, but... I think I own it. <gasps> if you want to oh, watch heck. the digital version of it. <laughs> movie night. Let's go. Heck yeah. The first movie came out in 2015, which I didn't realize because it's set in 2009 and they just did like a really good job with the costuming because I very mm-hmm. much bought that it was made that year. And uh, the phones. Yes. Uh, but it is essentially uh, they, they start a haunted house in an abandoned hotel called the Abaddon Hotel. And it turns out that there's some weird stuff happened in there. But nobody really is sure if it's like real or not or if it's like just an effect of working in a haunted house. So why, <laughs> I guess my first question is, why did y'all pick this? <laughs> <laughs> to watch or to talk about today? Both, both. I personally love found footage films. <laughs> it's my mm. favorite genre. But I was high <laughs> looking for a scary movie to watch. I love found footage films. Uh-huh. So someone had suggested it, I believe. And okay. I actually thought it was a different movie because I don't do well with gore. Mm. And so uh, I thought it was The House That October Built mm. because it it has the same kind of concept because The House That October mm. Built is about a bunch of people who really like haunted houses that are going around looking for the scariest haunted house until they find one that might may or may not be more than they bargained for i haven't watched it though wait i think i watched that one is that the one with the siblings and they like pretend the sister is psychic i don't know i haven't watched it i just know that like they end up getting like kidnapped and shit and it's not no longer like a haunted house like a haunted house that you pay for and it's like they're actually being tortured oh Oh, so that's like it's probably i whenever we started this one i was like i wonder if it's based off that actual haunted house you had to like sign waivers for and they just like torture you yeah yeah, so it's fucking wild. Yeah, I would never. <laughs> the house, literally, don't touch me, you know? <laughs> the house that October built is built based off of that haunted okay, house. Okay, okay, okay. But yeah, that's, that's why I chose it. And then we watched the first one and we were like, 
we have to watch the next one. Right? <laughs> yeah, I was I was wondering how y'all found it because it's like this is one of the like most indie films that I think we've ever covered on the show, uh, <laughs> which it feels very similar to like the Blair Witch Project in its its scope, um, mm-hmm. like very low budget intentionally and just like kind of iffy on on whether or not like the stuff is real. Um, mm. But I had a lot of fun watching it for sure. Me too. I think I saw it suggested. Shudder does this thing on Twitter, um, kind of like a call-in hotline, and you ask for suggestions, and somebody was asking for found footage suggestions, and they suggested Hell House. So I think that's the only time I've seen it. Yeah, and then the... to answer why we did it, you'd have to talk to Miko, because Miko, <laughs> Miko brought me along for this ride. So, <laughs> so I, I am not somebody who loves found footage films. There's actually only a a couple that I like. It's expanded to include this franchise now, but um, I, I watched um, too many bad paranormal activity movies and it kind of uh-huh. spoiled the found footage genre for me for a bit. Right. Um, but watching this series uh, and just seeing how well everything tied in together. Mm-hmm. Made me made me appreciate the genre and the fact that it doesn't just have to be one cookie cutter thing. Yeah, I think it, I think it's really neat. I don't know if I've ever seen a found footage movie where it like intercuts with a like news show, which they mm-hmm. do a couple times or like under the guise. I mean, there's there's definitely ones where it's like we're putting together a documentary and here is the stuff that we found. But like the second and third ones really lean into like oh no, we're doing a whole investigative thing that's like trying to figure out what happened on this night in 2009. I think it's really neat. I think that's one of the charms of this film is it's not just people doing the same thing over and over again because it's not people like, I can do Hell House better um, (laughs) and coming in after Alex and the gang untimely demise like they do have the aspect of that in the second one where they're showing like this person also came and this person and they all disappeared it's like there's motivation other than we have to make another movie for these Mm -hmm. characters to go back that makes sense yeah there's not really like a single character who like exists throughout all three of these films except for maybe the clown because everybody else i think just shows up in like archive footage Mm mm-hmm yeah, yeah it was spooky clown. <laughs> He's so good. <laughs> He's a good spooky clown. Um, I saw it at too young of an age, so I have like <laughs> an intense fear of clowns. So like, oh, no, I want the <laughs> clown work. <laughs> I saw it at too young of an age and became obsessed with Tim Curry. <laughs> That's the direction I want. <laughs> it's not. It's not a bad obsession. No, no, no. He's into it. I think. Yeah. I don't know how how deep do y'all want to go like on the story and stuff, or do we just kind of want to talk about like broad strokes? I'm down to clown with whichever. <laughs> I think okay. broad strokes, just like okay, we can weave in weave in the plot throughout. Yeah, that'll work. I think it'll be interesting. Uh, so y'all have y'all have seen the rest of the the series, right, Miko? Mm-hmm. And okay, okay, okay. So I think it'll be really fun for us to describe those plots and just listen to mint kind of like we're gonna go some some very spoiler heavy ter- territory i think that's fine that's um, okay that's okay 
<laughs> I think the the joy of these films is like with all found footage films, you kind of know how they're going to end. There mm. wouldn't be a found footage film if everyone survives at the end. Right. Because then it's just a snuff film. We but had yeah. a bad adventure and then I left the tape in my attic and I found it that way. <laughs> but yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I literally never thought about it that way before. But yes, that makes sense for sure. Because even like looking at the reviews, I saw a couple people who were like, oh, this was super predictable at the very end. And I guess it's like, what do you expect? Like, I don't, like not everybody's going to come out of this okay. Um, I will say, like, while we're talking about the first one, some things that I feel like it did really well is that the jump scares weren't super bad. Like, there were little bits of, of the cultists and whatever monsters they had, but there was never any out, right? Like, super loud noises. The only thing that really tripped me out sometimes was the strobe effect, because it's... Yeah. Ooh. It's a little rough in the first one, but they even like implement and fix it in the sequels to to a better degree. Um, That's good. Like the the filmmaking techniques for sure improve across these three entries. Yeah. Yeah. I think by movie three, we were both really like, um, we really liked like the fact that the third movie is just exponentially better production wise than mm-hmm. the other two, mm-hmm. but it does such a great job of folding pieces of the other two in mm-hmm. that it makes, I feel like when I rewatched um, everything this last week, I feel like the third one kind of lent itself to really pulling the others with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. I think so. I, I think the third one is probably my favorite just because it is so well done like from a production standpoint and the and the <laughs> the plot of that one and like the twists it takes to tie everything together are so wild and a little bit campy and i absolutely love it for that it's just, it's so good i know that they're working on the abaddon tapes which is more about the history of it but i love that they set out to make a trilogy and then kind of wrapped it all up so like if they were going to make something new in this universe, it has to be about the past. And it can't be mm. the same. We're in the house. Nobody listens. We're going to die. Mm. And it's they're kind of forced to, if they want to return to this world, answer some of the questions that were left on the floor when they ended the trilogy. Yeah, because because the hotel straight up like burns down at the very end. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, Spoiler like, alert, I think... moth. <laughs> Sorry. Spoiler. Oh, no. <laughs> it's funny because in the second movie, like within the first five minutes or something, uh, well, maybe it's even the third one. Yeah, I think it is the beginning of the third one. They're like, days before it was set to be demolished, this tech billionaire decided to buy it out. And it's like, okay, so they were going to junk it, but then Elon Musk came and saved it, I guess. Like, oh my gosh, freaking Elon Musk. Also, but. to your point, Minty, they're in the second one, they I think it's the second one. It's either the second or the third one. They say that someone did go to burn it down. They, they posted online, I'm going to go burn down the Abaddon Hotel, and then that person's never seen from again. What that's the right. heck? Um, oh, that's scary. The demons oh, yeah. hit you. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> the demons yeah, the, the streamer. No, I don't think they showed us footage of the one that was trying to burn it down. They mention it in passing. Oh, okay. Because okay. they sh- they show us the footage of the 
the person that we thought was a teenager but turned out to be an adult. Um, <laughs> no, because the way that they talk about they open up the second movie with like we haven't heard from Jackson and like we were we were getting strange messages and like I'm assuming it's going to be a 17 year old who snuck in, but it's like a 30 year old man who like <laughs> snuck into this house to be like I'm in the hell house. It is him, the teenager live streaming on Facebook, the the gay couple. Yes. And I think, and then obviously like Diane and them. Those are the and ones that they show us. Streamer. Was there another streamer? I only remember the, the, the recording because that's the, that's the footage that we had of the same doorway for hours. That's the teenager who was streaming it on Facebook. Mm. Oh, I thought there were two. I think the rest of them, when it comes to like YouTuber, uh, quote unquote, YouTuber content, uh, is just like from the night of usually when things go horribly wrong. I forgot about because <laughs> because the guy in the first movie who like broke in to take pictures is also kind of like ambiguously aged. Like he talks very young and then he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to break into this place and I've got my bleached blonde hair and my pierced ears. But then he's like <laughs> a 40 year old dad or something like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what's happening here. OK, OK, OK. I feel like we have to talk about how terrible Paul is in the first oh, movie. Oh my god, Paul. <laughs> Freaking so, Paul. When when I watched this the when when Serena and I watched these together initially, when we started playing the first movie, I I think I said it out loud at some point during the beginning. I was like, I feel like I've seen this before. And I thought maybe it just seemed familiar because it's a found footage film, but I think I actually had watched the first like half hour of that movie and it was just such a slow build to get to anything like paranormal or like weird. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Like I think we're... (laughs) Men are gross sometimes, but like (laughs) it took so long for something to actually happen to capture my interest that I like completely would not be surprised if I did start this movie and just never finished it a couple (laughs) of years ago. Like, yeah. That's fair. Uh, that's I think that's why I, I would thought that it was an older film because like the the language that the film crew uses in the first movie is like so early two thousands and Paul especially is just like this caricature of like mm-hmm. early two thousands masculinity that's like all about uh, getting fucked and like just drinking all the time and bragging with your like- bros. He's always like, I got the ladies. It's like, there's like ghosts everywhere. And he's like, yeah, but I still get the ladies. <laughs> what? If, if oh, he's not got by a lady. That's he true. did. If That scene, chef's kiss. But if this was actually filmed in 2009, Dane Cook would have played Paul. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's such a good, that, that is good casting right there. Oh my God. I love that. Because uh, he's just, I think we're like intentionally supposed to hate Paul because mm-hmm. he's just so creepy, especially with like Sarah and literally any of the women that are on set. Like, mm-hmm. I do think like, it's funny after he's even like not around though, like when he goes missing, <laughs> they're still just like fucking Paul messing with us. <laughs> you, Paul. <laughs> it's like, oh, he's, he's not even here anymore. <laughs> I think for like three days and they're like, fuck you, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Miko pointed out that like if if Paul I think it was you Miko who pointed out if Paul was just like three percent more likable when 
when things started to go wrong, they would have believed him. Yeah. <laughs> For real. That's that yeah, that's totally fair. He's also the loudest breather I think I have ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> He's just constantly like huffing on that microphone. Absolutely like, a mouth breather. <laughs> and like the part where he like gets got by the ghost and he's like I mean she sees him hide under the covers and then yeah. he's just like, <gasps> like the whole time me and Justin were like yep that's a good hiding spot she'll never find you there hey no the rule of monsters is you cannot be got under your covers yeah, his mistake was that he peeked out <laughs> he did peek out he did it's so funny it felt very like uh have y'all played Phasmophobia? <laughs> yes. Like, it felt like getting killed by the ghost in that, where it's just, like, a POV <laughs> shot, and it's just, like, the thing is floating there for a little bit. Yeah, where you're just like, well, okay, goodbye. <laughs> Miko and I recently watched the director's cut, which had some, like, deleted scenes and stuff at the end, and they filmed it both with the woman, and then they also filmed it with the clown. Oh, and the clown sitting there. Oh, I think yeah. I would have preferred the clown. I like it with the woman because it's kind of like he's been horribly sexist the whole time, and then mm. the woman just mm-hmm. freaking mm-hmm. murders him. <laughs> That's kind of like that. justice. It's a little bit poetic, but the clown would have been silly and creepy. It's- that clown is creepy. Oh yeah. Oh absolutely. I like I like that their biggest thing with the mannequins though is that the heads don't turn. <laughs> And like, and like the body parts don't move. And I'm thinking about like every single mannequin I've ever seen. And it's just like how poorly designed that would be. To just like <laughs> not have them be flexible at all. Um, but yeah, I love, I love the clown. I love when he turns his head to look at people uh-huh. or like mm-hmm. <laughs> when they, cause like in the later movies, he straight up like is moving while people are looking at him. But before it's just like, you know, they turn away and then turn back and he's moved. I that's creepy. I love like jump scares like that where it's just like a slight movement. There's no sound. <laughs> it's just like, oh, creepy. So if you ever decide you want to do a rewatch, I have a recommendation about the clown. Okay. Keep an eye on its mouth in particular. Oh. Ooh. Sometimes ooh. the mouth is closed. Sometimes the mouth is open. Huh. Also, I with I did not realize that. With your comment on how in the later movies you see it moving and you don't see it, I think that's a beautiful directing choice because mm-hmm. in the earlier movies, they're not focused on the, the clown or anything that is moving. They're focused on getting the house ready, capturing the building of the thing. Everyone from the second movie on is looking for the spooks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense for sure. Because I, I think that was my biggest thing with the first one because we were watching it and it was like, it gets so close, especially when people are running out of the house, right? It's like, I want to see what's down there so bad. And then it just like doesn't let you. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, I guess I got to watch the sequel to see what's happening. Ooh, I love Big Skelly Man. Does he come back? Because he's kind of, you know, he's a little cute. <laughs> I'm kind of digging it. <laughs> Which one is Big Skelly Man? The, the big main cultist guy. He's got like the half skeleton looking face. Oh, the one that jumps at them? Yeah. Like the big main tall guy. Oh, like at the very end? Yeah. Well, he he shows up earlier too when he's looking down the hallway. 
he's like, how many of these creepy guys do we have? And he's just like standing there. Oh, you know, I don't think so. They mostly replaced like by the end of it, it is like mostly the clown and like various women in white dresses with like white eyes. Missed opportunity to have creepy skelly man. (laughs) (laughs) Which like they do. They're much scarier than like the actual cultists who just pop up randomly in their black robes and stuff. And I am also just not a fan of Tully. Is that his name? Yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of Tully because who? The, the hotel owner, oh. they mention him in the first movie because he dies after they do their satanic thing, but he Is pops it? up in the second and third movie. Oh, okay, so he's not the skelly man. That's good. No, he's just like, he honestly kind of, I was watching it, he kind of looks like Joe Biden and it tripped me out the entire time. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I did see that. It's like, because like, okay, so the second one, the second movie is like a news show, kind of. It's just like a panel of people with a host, and it's like something about mysteries. And there's a there's an older guy who's supposed to be like a town rep, and then you have the person who worked with the the lady who died at the first movie, and some other just like mystical dude who does like a whole Ouija board scene that is very great. I like him because he's very silly, but he does die unfortunately. Um, and then the plot. <laughs> And then the plot twist of the second movie is that Andrew Tully, the original hotel owner, was pretending to be the townsperson and showed up to be filmed on TV in a suit. And then he pops back up in the hotel to like do the final murder scenes. Um, it's so a- funny because within five seconds of seeing that dude, I was like, he's evil. And then like <laughs> two minutes later, Miko was like, I think he's Tully. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I inherently don't trust an older white man with anything. Yeah. I just don't inherently trust white men. That's super fair. And, like, <laughs> and there's a part, I was cracking up because like it also does like, it does some revisionist stuff a little bit in the second one where it's like, oh, Alex knew from the beginning that this place was like super haunted and he just didn't tell his friends. And that journal he was writing in in the first one is filled with like, demonic writings and just like lots of little drawings and there's a part where it shows him like a couple months before they start to like build the house uh negotiating with like i guess the owner or the salesperson who's standing off camera and he's just like hey come on alex you know you want to buy this house it's like are you really gonna turn it like it's the most like new york accent and i'm like is that tully like is that just is, is Tully supposed to be like Joey Wheeler? I don't know what's happening uh, Joey here. Joey Wheeler. <laughs> and then, of course, like he shows up and he's like, oh, I'm not really that old townsperson guy. I'm Andrew Tully. And, and then the guy screams. Surprise. So that journal that you see in the second film mm-hmm. was actually in the original cut for the movie. Oh. Um, it's in mm-hmm. the director's cut still. It's something they edited out um, oh, okay. and released the original film, but it is in there. There's a scene in the director's cut where I think it's Sarah goes into the room and finds Alex's journal. It's Mac. It's Mac? Okay. It's either Mac or Tony. It's one of the tall white ones. Oh, that actually makes more sense. <laughs> oh, yeah, because then he's like, whatever. He, he just found out this stuff and he's like trying to bail and then the other guy tells him everything. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Oh, it's Tony because it's after, I believe it's after Paul goes. Yeah, when Tony so. is like, 
I want to (laughs) go. He like sneaks into Sarah and Alex's bedroom. That makes sense. I wonder, I couldn't find anything like as far as production uh, information, except for like they filmed the hotel scenes like in Pennsylvania. But I wonder how much footage they actually recorded in that for that first movie. And then just like whatever they didn't use brought back for later sequels. Because for Blair Witch, they filmed like 20 hours of footage or Mm -hmm. something. Um, It was some like hugely ridiculous number of hours. And so I'm sure it's like the same thing. And then they also had the benefit of like three years between the first and second movie. That's an interesting thing actually to point out because... I don't know the answer to that, but I but like uh, I know that they were always meant to be three movies. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but actually, I don't know how much they would have filmed all at the all at once. I I suppose they could have filmed for multiple movies in one go, and mm. just had more funding for like production, like post production for the later films. Because I think it was largely like Shutter that funded the second and third movie because the first one like premiered at a film festival and then got picked up for distribution Um, well uh cognetti stated in an interview that he sees hell house llc trilogy as one movie just divided into three acts and each movie is its own act so like he always intended to have three movies Mm -hmm. so he could have like cut the things that he cut from the first one because it will make more sense make better sense in the later films that makes sense yeah just like planning ahead to eventually make that stuff Mm -hmm. yeah for sure what is y'all's opinion on the second movie just like in general i enjoyed it (laughs) i liked it i i know like i i've heard a couple of people that we've talked to about these movies um like in passing say that the second one was their least favorite but these kind of they kind of run together in my head, first of all, because we watched them all on the same night. Yeah. But I liked that the second one was more investigative than anything else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted to know why. It's like Serena said earlier, they weren't trying to recreate a haunted house in this abandoned hotel. They weren't trying to do something like in the third one where they're also using it for a production of some sort. It, they were just trying to go in and figure out what happened to these people who went missing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that makes sense. I I think this one, because, because there are so many like additional characters, I kind of like blended them together, like through my watching. And so I can't remember like individuals like I can from the first or the third mm-hmm. one. Um, Cause they kind of like play the same roles, but I did think like the investigative quality was very cool. Like I mentioned that Ouija board scene. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, like, once things go bad in the second one, it's, like, nonstop action where they're just turning around. And it's just like, oh, those guys are, like, hanging from the ceiling now. I'm like, oh, there's a ghost there. That's not cool. Um, <laughs> it's just, like, it's it's nonstop, that one, once the action really picks up. Yeah. Mint, are you ready to hear the, <laughs> the plot of the third one? Yeah, you mentioned it briefly. So okay. I'm curious. So several years have passed since the since the events of the second movie, I think. The house mm-hmm. is like slated to be condemned, and then this rich guy decides to buy it up and he's gonna like completely redo Hell House. Except this time 
they're doing like an adaptation of Faust, which is like where the trope, you know, deal mm-hmm. with the devil comes from. Cause it's like the whole overarching theme of this, these movies. It's just that Tully made a deal with the devil. And so like, he's bringing people into the hotel so that they can die and their souls will be stuck there forever. And that's why like, in between like the final the final people are always like you should come by the hotel it'll be great you should come here (laughs) and then they immediately die (laughs) there's a priest figure in the third movie who is talking about like what it would take for the hauntings to stop and for people to stop dying and he says like something to the effect of like it would take a messenger of god or an angel specifically to like combat this demon and put things right. Um, And and so they were working on this production of Faust, which is like a modern retelling because the devil is played by like a bartender uh, who's also very New York. I love the little- It's Lucifer's cabin. (laughs) (laughs) Literally my favorite part of the entire franchise. (laughs) It's so good. I love, I love the, I can't remember his name right now. The super like obviously gay, like theater guy, Harvey. My heart. He's fantastic. He's just like, he's, he's like every uh, (laughs) like reality show contestant you've ever seen where he's like very snarky, uh, but also will be like, like one of the girls goes missing and he's like, yeah, I don't really know what happened to her. Like things started to fall apart after she left, but no hard feelings. I still love you. Let's go get a drink sometime. Like if you're watching this uh, oh and he's my just, God. he's very sassy and <laughs> I love him so much. And then you have like a very pretentious, like British actor who thinks he's above it all and cast members who leave. And I just completely forget about, there's a part where like they're talking about the girl that left before everything started going wrong. And, and it's like, here are a series of selfies that she posted on her social media accounts. Mm-hmm. And each picture gets like progressively darker. Like, I don't know why you would be posting that. She's just like in the attic and you can see Alex behind her in the background. And then the one by, like after that is just like pitch black and you can like just see her face and like something kind of behind her. Did she see uh, the photos before she posted them? I don't. I don't know. Because you don't just, I mean, I you need to look at it. <laughs> She's just like, this is fine. Post. <laughs> Post what they were posting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the so way like, that I, I took it, because they're kind of like grainy when they show them, the way mm-hmm. that I, I took it was that like she posted them and it's like too dark for her to notice, but like someone on her Instagram was like, who is that in the background? And then <laughs> oh, she's like, yeah. Who is that in the background? <laughs> and then they do the matte pat, turn up the brightness. Like, that's their solution. <laughs> I figured it out. That is uh, how you find the ghosties, is you turn up I, the brightness. I mean, I think it makes sense, too. If, like, the whole... I mean, that's that's something that I don't think they super tackle, but is an interesting idea, right? Like, if these people who are possessed, their whole thing is to bring more people to the hotel, like, the implementation, uh, like, using social media to do that. It's kind of neat, like, yeah, because we don't really we don't hear anything with the people in the first movie, even after they escape, it's like they end up dead somehow. And I don't think we ever find out what happened to her specifically, like if she just goes missing or, you know, just vanishes anyways. Um, But I think that would be super cool if it's just like they're trying to attract people to opening night and they're using social media to do it so that more people will come and get possessed and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's smart, honestly. 
Yeah, you know what? I just had a revelation as you were talking. Because, <laughs> like, I think the the terms that they use, used were that she went... I don't know if they said she went home or she went missing. Mm. She might she just went back have to New never York. left the hotel. That's true. She might have also just been dragged through the walls to hell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, because get- her camera does drop. Yeah. Oh, in a seemingly empty room at that point. I think I'm confusing her for the the person with the curly hair who got super drunk and went to the basement. Oh, that's okay, Jane. Yeah. That's the, a different girl. The, okay, but they both the have camera drops. Isabella. Oh. The makeup artist Isabella is the one that goes missing or home or whatever. That's the person Harvey's talking about when he's like, but no hard feelings. I still love you. Let's go grab a drink next time we're in New York at the same time. Like, that's mm. the person. Okay. Is the makeup artist. Like, the curly cue comes back. Yes. Yeah, she's there. We see her die on opening night. Yeah. Mm. There's also a guy who's just like, he's the CFO of the, <laughs> the company, the billionaire's company. And his whole thing is, he's grumpy. He wants things to go smoothly because if they lose money, he's going to stress out. And he doesn't want to do that. He's Nobody like, likes overworked. Jeff, but I appreciate him. Oh, I <laughs> yeah, love Jeff. Overworked, underappreciated Capricorn. Leave that man alone. <laughs> we actually do get to see, like, it's the CG's a little funny, but, like, the wall and the floor of the hotel, like, open up to hell. And so, like, we get to see that uh, as our billionaire angel. Okay. <laughs> yes. What? There's a moment in the... Uh director's cut that i just want to show you okay because it's so funny and it's technically the first time you're supposed to see the portal to hell but i'm so glad they cut it (laughs) i'm so glad they cut it it's so bad hold on i'm pulling it up right now because they kind of cover it with like the just like the screen glitching out and going black and in spots like they hint they hint at the wall I feel so bad for the girl that's chained up in the first movie. Oh, like Melissa. Yeah. I can't believe that nobody helped that poor woman. Yeah, the clown guy just left. Oh, <laughs> Joey is the true villain of this movie. <laughs> like, goodbye. <laughs> She's like, hello, you have the keys. And he just runs away. <laughs> I can pop my eyeball out of my skull, but I won't help uh, you. The, that was the grossest part of the movie. Which apparently he can do that in real life. And that was like unscripted. So that's why he's like, don't try this at home. <laughs> okay, what do we what do we got here? Okay, is everyone in? I'm watching. So Just... this is as everyone's trying to get out of the basement. <laughs> I, I kind of, okay. Bye-bye, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the big poo feels very like, Evil Dead a little bit. Uh-oh, we lost Miko. That's creepy. <laughs> you were like that body you just kind of got slowly dragged into the pit. Well, I click, oh my god. I clicked out of the stream because the stream had ended. And when I clicked the exit stream button, my entire computer just like black screen for a minute. Oh no. How so weird. Oh, that's funky. Is this a The Ring situation? <laughs> we watched oh, the director's no. cut, and now we have seven days to share it with a friend. This, this is what this is. You've trapped us here to watch these movies, and now we have to tell our listening audience to go watch it. Hell House ploy. 
<laughs> bring more yep. people in. I don't how I don't know how you didn't expect this to happen. I don't. You I really don't know. should go check it out. No. <laughs> you you'll never leave. You're already in hell. Or whatever. Skelly guy is there. We can't go visit the filming site. We're never gonna leave. <laughs> in in talking about the special effects, I do think that the second movie does that the best. Um, mm-hmm. I think maybe by by necessity because we're like actually seeing more um mm-hmm. and also just like the increase in production quality like allows for really creepy ghost people and like things that aren't cg heavy that are just like really smart um but yeah when the, <laughs> when when our angel billionaire and andrew tully are doing their big fight in the basement and just the CGI fissure opens up. It <laughs> doesn't look too great, but that's okay because it it does the thing and fixes everything. Kind of uh, the house catches fire. I think a bunch of people die, but they're not trapped except for the original crew. It's implied that every single person that died on opening night was found in the cornfields. Okay. Oh, wow. So anyone that died that night sort of came back because they oh. weren't like dragged to hell. Okay. So if they burned down the place, is the portal still there? Like, would it be, is it just in the house or is it in the ground? So there is a scene in either the second, and I think it's the third film actually, because we just watched it this morning, um, where Russell is, t- the billionaire, is talking to... Um, the like uh, journalist that's shadowing his entire production um, to record everything. And he tells her about a couple of instances where people went missing, not in the hotel itself, but just on the property. Mm-hmm. Mm. There was a carnival. People went missing on the hayride, stuff like that. Oh, um, yeah, I forgot about that. So burning down the house won't necessarily solve the thing. Right. It's in, it's implied that again with the so there's a lot in the third movie, there's a lot of like Jesus mm-hmm. uh metaphor going on, like that Russell is about to die for our sins, I guess. Oh yeah. Um, he, there's oh. a moment where there's they're all sitting at the ta- a table and he asks a waiter for bread and wine, and then everyone takes the bread. Um and he's sitting in the middle like the last supper. It's the night before opening night. It's implied that because he died and like was dead legally dead for two minutes, like he went and talked to God, and God was like, "You got to go shut this down because only an <laughs> angel can shut down the portal to hell, the lake of fire." Um, you, so it's my richest son. He, yeah, he implied <laughs> that it's it's implied that he shut the portal because he okay. didn't Tully. Okay. So Alex opened it with Hell House, and Tully closed it with Insomnia. Okay. Or not Tully, sorry, Wynn. Yes. That makes sense, that makes sense. But I guess he's not hes not a real bad billionaire, because he decides to give all of his money away, except for like everything that will fund the, the, the haunted house production. And the, yeah. <laughs> the money guy is very angry about that. The part is kind of funny because all the because <laughs> I think she's my favorite character, the the investigator from the third one. Um, yes, Vanessa. I really love Vanessa. Sorry, <laughs> it's okay. I was gonna agree with anything that you said because I, <laughs> I watched these all almost back to back in between like 
doing things at work. So Mm -hmm. all the character names kind of blend together. But yeah, I think she's really neat uh, because she does the thing where like she quote unquote breaks uh, journalistic integrity by like uh, talking about the billionaire and all the things that he's doing. And so the news story breaks like right before they're about to open the show and all the actors are like, we're still getting paid tonight, right? It's like, that's fair. I think that would be my concern, too. I would be like, I better be getting paid. (laughs) But he says, I'm not liquidating everything, just the stuff that's not required to run this. I don't know, he donates it to charity or something. No, the priest is real dodgy about that. I I don't think the priest was particularly useful to any part of the plot. No, definitely <laughs> not. Him out and explained things a different way, and it would have been the same story. Like mm, yeah. I don't know. I I agree with that. He was because <laughs> he only shows up in like those two scenes, and it's just like exposition or like literally to to like get the next step of the plot across. Just I'm here to add conflict for this one thing and this one thing only. Mm-hmm. So. The very last, the very last bit of the third movie, um, we're we're reunited with the gang from the first, uh, from the first Hell House, and everything is like blue and it's very much like Phasmophobia when you're dead and everything is just like in shades of blue and white, um, <laughs> and they wake up and you can see, well, for, it's it's weird because like it starts off and it's on that like crotch shot of Paul for like a good. <laughs> 15 to 20 seconds. Oh, no. As he's, like, gasping, too. Yeah, and he's, like, unslitting his throat. What? Um, (laughs) Because everything is healing. And then he stands up, and then he finds everybody else in the house. Um, And they try to get out, but they can't because the door won't open. And then our billionaire friend is like, well, your souls aren't in hell anymore, but you're still stuck here. Is that... (laughs) Is that the weird footage that they're referring to? Like, is that being shown in the final documentary or is that just a little treat for the audience? I think that might have been a treat. Yeah. Like that's purgatory or something. If you want to get really religious, that could be like, you know, an in-between space. Right. Because it did the, like, faded to black, which it, that is the the editor's favorite, <laughs> like, form of switching scenes in the series. It's just like, let's fade to black real quick and bring it back but it does that and then the text like pops up on screen and it's like they found footage from the original cameras that was very bizarre and then it plays that scene so i was a little confused about that but if it's just a little treat for the audience i'm good with that too i think that's that's hell house yeah i really enjoyed it i'm not a huge found footage fan uh like at all so whenever i was like oh wait this is found footage oh no but then i actually really enjoyed it Okay, yeah, but mentioned- have you watched As Above, So Below? Yeah, yeah the French so. Catacombs one. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is the first found footage film that I particularly liked. Like, specifically. Yeah. <laughs> that one was good. I think it's good. I just I get motion sick. Really. That's super fair. Yeah. So I feel like I'm always like, I got a Papa Dramamine to watch these movies. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they... Not they had to have been using like a gimbal or something to help with mm-hmm. that a little bit in the second and third movie because it's not it's really not that bad like across those two. Yeah, even the first one wasn't that bad, honestly. It's just the um, strobe scenes, like you said, mm. were like, whoa, okay, I have to look away from the screen <laughs> for a second because it was like, ow. They just went on a little bit too long with the strobe scenes. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do think that they had a like it's slow going, but the way that they built tension in these movies, excellent. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I didn't I didn't know that they had plans for like future installments, but that would be really cool to see like the past events and stuff. Yeah, they announced the Abaddon tale uh tapes. Um because they mentioned twice in the second movie and the the third movie that Tully actually also recorded everything. Mm, mm-hmm. And so it's supposed to be about the tapes that he recorded and like everything before Hell House. So like the the fair and and stuff like that. They announced it on Twitter in 2020. Oh, okay. And so it's been in production hell because of no pun intended because of you know, <laughs> the panorama. Yeah, that makes sense. And like the the films or the documentaries within the fiction of the films also serve that purpose, I think, like like the ghosts themselves and that they are supposed to get people to the the ground so that they can mm-hmm. get trapped. So that makes sense. I'm wondering I'm wondering if like those Abaddon tapes were actual like old timey video or if it's like an audio thing like a little tape recorder or something it's gonna be a filmed thing it's gonna be on shutter okay (gasps) yeah that'll be really cool that will be really cool i need to watch the other two i think you'll like it it was it was nice to just kind of like turn my brain off for a little bit and watch these movies Um, it was super nice yeah thank y'all thank y'all for recommending it yeah thanks for having us Indulging my newest brain worm sensation. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. It's all good. Because, um, like, found footage is probably the, like, subgenre of horror that I know the least about. Like, mm-hmm. all, all of my knowledge from that comes from, I think, Blair Witch specifically. And, yeah. like, some of the earlier stuff that was just, like, intended to be shocking for shock value. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was neat. It was neat watching this. But I yeah. liked it. Does anybody have any final thoughts about the Hell House LLCs? Mm, next time they should just make a newspaper ad to get people to come there. Newspapers anymore. It's gotta be social media. The ghosts are just like um seeking people to devour. I know people would go. They'd be like, yeah, okay. Okay, there are people who already, on purpose, go to supposed haunted locations yep. to see what there is to see, to experience whatever. Yeah. Like, absolutely. Use <laughs> It'll straight up just be, like, podcast advertising. So they'll wrap up an ad on, like, MeUndies or Audible. And then it's like, hey, do y'all want to see a real creepy house? Come on over to the Abaddon Hotel. It'll be great. <laughs> It'll be great. It'll be great. You definitely won't die. <laughs> thanks <Your soul laughs> thanks again to our sponsors. Forever. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? An ad like that would absolutely make me Google stuff. Yeah. <laughs> We'd all die. We'd all get I've only ever been to one haunted house. Like oh. a real one or like a like a jump scare fog machine one? Like a jump scare strobe. Oh house. Ew, I've never ever nope. I'll let you know when I go to my first. (laughs) (laughs) I, I think it's, for me, it's a lot like, uh, horror video games and that I get so fixated on like the mechanics of it all that I Mm. like forget to get scared. Um, Mm -hmm. 
And so like, well, and people would pop out and I'd just be like, oh, hi. Like, hello, Mr. Werewolf. <laughs> oh, <my> hello. <laughs> Haunted houses have always been like a sensory overload nightmare for me. So oh, yeah. That makes sense. I'm worried about. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I, I like see the exterior and I'm like, that's not scary. But I know I would have a mental breakdown. Like, I would yeah. just, like, be in a corner crying. <laughs> I would either be that, I would also be in the corner with you crying, or <laughs> I would, I would, um, punch somebody and get in trouble. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is always a possibility, too. So, the, it's just loud. The first time I ever went to a, a haunted house, like, I, I was raised on horror. Like, it was a bonding thing with me and my mom, but I'm, like, still pretty scared of things. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was like trying to comfort me before we went in and she was like, it's okay, Serena, like it's going to be fine. And then one of the actors was like, yeah, like from like the darkness as we're going through, they must have radioed and been like, there's a scared like 14 year old girl. Her name is Serena. <laughs> oh my God. And so they kept being like, Serena. And oh I was no. Like, I'm going no. to kiss myself right here. So. <laughs> I didn't. Oh, no. But yeah. See, I can't. I think I, I got ruined from a young age because we had a family friend who I think I told you this story meant who this the dad of the family who was like all of four foot nine um, would put on like a black cloak and a mask with like a voice changer and um, he'd have chains and do the whole fog thing and then he would like pull out a chainsaw that the chain had been removed from and like pull it above his head and like scare people with it so just for chains- fun like on just a Tuesday. For- just for just on Halloween's. Oh, <laughs> no, yes, no. Johnny definitely did that on a. <laughs> no, it was it was, it was a hot Halloween ordeal for sure. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I think if I could do like a like a sensory friendly haunted house, I'd like no loud sounds, no strobe. I'd be fine. Mm. I'd be totally fine. Like here are your earplugs and complimentary weighted blanket. Nobody yeah. will touch you. Yeah. No. <laughs> but I just want to see the cool costumes and animatronics <laughs> if there are some. Yeah, that would be neat. It's like, it is like a, a theater production. All of them just line up at the, v- yeah. the very end and show off their costumes. That's so cool. And do a bow. That would be nice. But yeah, I think that, that'll do it for us. Do y'all have anything that y'all want to plug? Follow me on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash everhaunting. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to follow me online, um, most platforms, TikTok, Instagram, uh, Twitter, is just at Miko Rios. My YouTube is different, but um, you can find that elsewhere. <laughs> uh, thank y'all so much again for, yeah, for showing up. We'll have Thanks to, for having us. We'll have to watch another movie or do another episode or something because this was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I'd love to. Yeah. Okay. Y'all are great. Thank- Oh, thank you. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Monster Masquerade. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to let us know somewhere on the internet and consider sharing the show with a friend. If you have a suggestion or topic you'd like to see us discuss, hop on over to our Patreon to unlock exclusive bonus content and do just that. And we'd super appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. It's the fastest way to help the show grow. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find podcasts. How about them Hell Houses? LLCs. Yes. Yes.